we're back in uh, we're back in uh, we're still back in Matthew chapter 5 there we go Matthew chapter 5 we'll try to finish up uh, this tonight if at all possible as quickly as we possibly can <clears throat> I trust that uh, going through the book of Matthew especially these beatitudes uh, that it has enlightened us and uh, uh, spoken to our hearts. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of rich stuff in the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. Uh, so uh, we, we got down to the place where I told you I was going to, uh, let me get back over here where we're going, uh, speak positive tonight. <laughs> uh, how, do you, uh, how do you have a good thought life? Because the thought life is what you think is what goes in your mind and that's in your heart and then that comes out. That's the inside that's coming out to the outside. Now what we worry about most of all is like the Pharisees. We're more worried about what the outside looks like because uh, we don't want anybody to know what the inside really looks like. But there are some ways, so just jotted down some principles that would help us to have a good thought life because our mind is a battlefield and Satan is aggressive. He's trying to get control of our thoughts. And if he can get control of our, your thoughts, uh, then he can influence your actions and your attitudes. Because where your heart is, what comes out of the heart, it, it, it's going to come from the heart. It's going to come out in actions. So we're assaulted by his arsenal of weapons, uh, bombs of bitterness. I mean, you know, uh, something happens to us, and boy, immediately the devil says, boy, you ought to be bitter about that. I wouldn't put up with that five minutes. Uh, and then suddenly we've turned angry and we've turned bitter. We've got a choice not to do that. And so Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. See, when, when bitterness comes up in your heart, you're not the only one it's going to affect. It's going to affect other people also. So he uses bitterness. He uses depression. He uses defeat. He uses discouragement. And what that is is to disarm us and to make us where we're not dedicated to the Lord. I mean, do you get times in your life where you just say, hey, what's the use? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm worn out. I just don't want to go anymore. I'm just through. I'm through. Well, that doesn't come from God, I can promise you that. Uh, because the Lord wants us to finish this race, not only start the race, but finish the race. But the devil uses all of these things. Uh, hatred, pride, all of those things spoil our uh, spirit. Bitterness, depression, defeat, anger, hatred, pride, sensuality, lust. Those are all things that are unacceptable to God. God doesn't want any part of that. So how do we keep them checked? How do we keep all of those things? Uh, bitterness, depression, defeat, anger, hatred, pride, sensuality, lust. How do we say, I don't want any part of that? Because you can say it till you're blue in the face. And you're still going to, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. So how do you hold that in check? Well, let me tell you, the first thing you do is realize that your thoughts are not hidden from God. Hmm. You think all you want to, and you think nobody else knows anything about it, but I want to tell you, your thoughts are not hidden from God. God knows everything. Psalm 94, 11, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they're vanity. So since we know the Lord knows our thoughts and that he, he can't, 
Uh, we can't fool him. You can fool the preacher. You can fool your best friends. You can fool your family, your wife, your kids, and all of that. But you're not going to fool God. Steve Green said this. He said, accountability to me is unnatural. My tendency, now here we go, and see if this don't fit us. My tendency is to only let you know enough about me to give you a good impression. I'm a recovering hypocrite. Amen or old me? I mean, I want to let you know just enough about you where you'll think good of me. And if we're not careful, that's what our goal is. Uh, there's only one problem in here. Romans 14, 12 says that every one of us shall give an account of ourselves to God. Not a thing's going to be missed. So the first thing, if you want to keep your thoughts, that will motivate you to keep your thoughts good, is realize that there's no thoughts hidden from God. He knows everything about you. The second thing here, though, is to reject the lies that this world has that leads us to sinful thoughts and habits. Reject the lie. Listen, anything this world says, you can just count it up. They're like a politician. When they open their mouth, they're lying. Anything this world tells you is all right, you probably can go to the Word of God and find out it's not all right. And so the world gives us a lot of uh, attitudes. People think sinful habits or attitudes are not bad, not going to hurt them. Uh, there's a tendency to indulge in them, let them take root in their heart and mind. Uh, and when they get there, uh, you end up reaping the consequences of these sin. But let me tell you, it's, it's too late then. You've already... Uh, 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 getting ready to reap the consequences. I was looking at a book called The War Cry, and it has a story in it about a tenant farmer who had worked hard many, many years to improve uh, uh, his land and production on the land, and something happened to cause him to be very bitter. After many years of him nursing that land, he was leasing it. It came one year, and the owner said, I'm going to sell the farm to my son. He's getting married, and uh, the tenant made several good offers to try to buy it from him. The guy said, no, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to sell it to my son, you know, at a real good price. I want my son and new daughter-in-law to have the farm. And the day drew near for the farmer to vacate his home, and he had been breeding uh, angrily and brooding, and finally it got the best of him. He gathered some of the most obnoxious uh, weeds that he could find and he spent many hours scattering them over the land that he had spent years trying to cultivate and make really production uh, of fruits and vegetables there and uh, uh, I mean he, he also had trash and stones that he scattered around he thought you know bless God if, if they're going to take this thing from me they're not going to get it in the shape that I've got it in now and to his dismay, the next morning, the owner informed him that the plans for the marriage had fallen through. And he could re-rent the farm. And this is what he said. The farmer, the, the, the owner couldn't understand it. But the farmer said, oh, Lord, what a fool I've been. Mm. When you sow discord, when you sow tares, when you sow hatred and bitterness, uh, you know, the, here's the deal. The problem is we're going to reap what we sow. There are some laws in the kingdom of God that you're not going to beat. You, you say, well, I'm going to beat gravity. No, you jump off that 13th floor up there, and you'll you find out how you're going to beat gravity. 
you're going to hit the ground. I was reminded about that guy that jumped off the 13th floor. They heard him say on the 6th floor on his way down, so far, so good. Uh, that, that's all right on the 6th floor, but when you hit the bottom, you're not going to defy gravity. And you're not going to defy the, the, the word of God. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Mm. The third thing here would be to repress or guard your mind from the things that are unacceptable to God. Guard your mind. What, what kind of person we're becoming depends on what we're taking into our heart and our mind. So we've got to guard our mind. You see, our character tomorrow is being fashioned by today's thoughts. Temptation may come suddenly, but I want to tell you, sin doesn't usually come suddenly. We become what we meditate on. We're thinking about it. We're pondering it. We're fantasizing it. And for that reason, we need to guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Romans 13, 14, I could quote Psalm 101, 3, uh, Psalm 119, 31, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. We need to guard our heart as children of God. Listen, guys, we cannot give up on the fact of knowledge of this. We are in a war. We're in a battle, and we're going to continue to be in a battle until the Lord comes again. We're in that battle. You don't get a choice. I mean, you know, if you were born in, uh, in uh, Japan uh, in the 20s, you didn't have a choice of what happened during World War II. If you were born in Italy, you didn't have a choice. If you were born in Germany, you didn't have a choice. You were born there. You say, well, I'm born in America. I don't have all that. No, but you're born in, in, in this spiritual world that we're going into, and there's constantly a battle going on. And you're not, you, you say, well, I don't want to participate. I'm not going to participate. Oh, yeah, you are. You already are participating. When you say I'm not going to participate, you've already said you're going to take the world's side and not God's side. So the fifth thing here is to keep your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ and upon that which is good. You need to train yourself uh, to keep your mind on the Lord all day long. Talk to him all day long. He don't mind you talking to him. You can drive and talk to him. It's hands-free. You don't have to dial anything. You can just talk to the Lord. Uh, keep your mind on the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, at 2 o'clock in the morning, your first thought would be, Lord, how are you doing today? What can I do for you today? What, what do you want me to do? I was visiting with a uh, pastor this last week down in Vider. <clears throat> it's not the church that we're helping, but it's another church there that we've helped before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he told me this. He said, uh, when this flood came the second time, I remembered what Dr. Travis Plumley said. Now, some of y'all don't know Dr. Plumley, but many of you have been here very long. Uh, you know Dr. Travis Plumley, and he went to be with the Lord here a couple of years ago. But Dr. Plumley said, when things happen to you, don't ask why. Ask, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? And he, we stood there in the parking lot, and I said, well, David, what have you learned? What did the Lord show you? He said, I can tell you one thing the Lord showed me is that life is short, so enjoy the victories while you can. Because mm, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. 
You just never know. I mean, here was a church that two years ago, the hurricane got, had four foot of water in it, and it had never been flooded before in over a 100-year history. And the same thing with Trinity, where we're going there. Uh, and yet now, two years later, they're flooded again. Mm. He said, I can tell you one thing. When we're having victories, we're going to enjoy the victories because they may not last very long. So enjoy the victories while you can. Uh, I've quoted this scripture this morning, but it's a tremendous one in Philippians 4.8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, and then he goes on, whatsoever things are honest or just or pure or lovely or of good report. He said, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, you think on these things. Can you imagine what your week would be like? Now, let's not worry about a week. How about Monday from the time you go to work to four hours later? If you just thought on these things and you didn't let the world back you in a corner and get you in the flesh, can you imagine what your week would be like? Jesus fulfills every one of these areas. He's true, he's honest, he's just, he's pure, he's lovely, he's of a good report, he's virtuous, he's praiseworthy. Get you a book. You say, well, I don't read books. Well, you got that smartphone. Uh, there's a thing called Kindle. Get you a Kindle, and it's got good books on it. But constantly fill your mind with the things of God. Now, the sixth thing, I was, I was listening to the kids up there. Make, you know, sometimes you don't know if it's a horror or if, if they're just having a good time. I think they're having a good time. The sixth thing there is read and meditate on the Word of God. The only book we've been promised in our life that will not return void is this book right here. That's it. I was just looking at this. I was reading one of the uh, authors there. The Adventures of Mickey Mouse are now available in 284 languages. Wow. 284 languages, The Adventures of Mickey Mouse. It's more than the works of Lennon or Agatha Christie, but the Bible... The Bible is available in 1,907 different languages. 1,907. Barbie uh, was, was in Kenya and, and uh, <clears throat> Denise with us. We stayed there at an encampment where Wycliffe Bible translators, all they do, all day long, 10, 12 hours a day, is sit there and translate the Bible into a language that has never been translated before. Oh, you know, just all day long. Uh, but the, but the God's Word, when we read it and we fill our mind with Scripture by memorizing it, it's, it, it's, now you're going to tell me you can't memorize Scripture. I hear that all the time. I say the same thing. Can't memorize Scripture. But I want to tell you, when you hide it in your heart, you'd be surprised at how God can bring it up for you. When you need it, suddenly, you thought, well, where did that come from? Now, if you didn't put it in there, he's not going to bring it up. Amen? But if you put it in there, he can bring it up. He can do that himself, and he will do that. Uh, Psalm 119, 119.11, we learned it in Bible school. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love thy law. It's meditation all the day. Great peace. Uh, have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend thee. And we could go on and on and on. God's word has a cleansing effect on each one of our minds. It gives us direction, and it gives us uh, purpose there. 
during the early days of World War II, when the Nazis invaded France, the French citizens took down all the signposts. So the Nazis would come up, and they wouldn't know which road went where, and they couldn't follow the maps because all the signposts uh, were down. They didn't know which way to turn or which direction. And, and it seems like in our world today, people are removing the signpost. Now, for those of you who've been in church all your life and you've studied the Word of God, you know what those signposts are. But I want to tell you, we've got a generation that has no idea what the Word of God says. They have no idea. God's Word is powerful. It's always effective. I was reading the story because I love uh, the Gideons. Uh, I was not able to be here when the Gideons were here, but you gave more than $1,500 for the Gideons, and we support them on a regular basis also. Uh, but spreading the Word of God, this guy gets up in England in a missionary committee, and uh, <laughs> he was announcing that he had formed and founded a growing Christian group in India. Now, everybody there in that whole committee knew the guy had never left England. And yet here he is claiming to have founded this missionary group in India. And, and they say, what are you talking about? You've never left England. You know, you've never left England. He said when he was five years old, he was impressed by the story of a missions in India. And he didn't want to just put his penny in the box for the mission collection. And the pastor had a friend who was a missionary. And the little boy went and bought a Bible, bought it with his own money signed his name in the leaf of that Bible and mailed it to India. The missionary gave it to a poor man who'd, been, who'd walked miles and miles and asked for a Bible. 20 years passes, and the missionaries go into this village. They'd never been there before, yet this entire village was, was Christians. Every one of them was saved. No missionary ever visited them, but they showed him a well-used New Testament with a little boy's name on the flyleaf. Listen, when you send out the Word of God, it's not going to come back void. God's got a purpose for His Word. And then the seventh thing here is be responsible or accountable to somebody who is spiritually mature. Uh, one of the key factors in getting victory over a sin problem is making yourself accountable to someone who is spiritually mature. Now, be careful with this now. Don't just go out there and spill your guts to your best friend because he might not be able to keep his mouth shut. Mm. Uh, James 5.16, everybody don't agree with my translation of it, uh, and that's all right. You can be wrong. Uh, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that we may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so some people have interpreted that to mean let's just have a church service everybody get up and let's just spill our guts let's talk about our... listen you'd be a complete uh well you would not be wise let me just say like that okay you would not be wise because there are some of you in here you don't have a party line but it's the next thing to a party line and you've got speed dial and you you wouldn't get in the parking lot good to you know you know now you say, well, preacher, it says confess your fault. I believe that's personal one-on-one. -on -one. I think you ought to have a friend that's so close to you that you can tell him the truth. 
that you can share your heart, you can share your burdens, and they're not going to laugh at you, and they're not going to condemn you, they're not going to send you out, you know. But the word submitting yourselves there comes from the Greek word hupaso, uh, which means to subject oneself or to yield ones to someone's admon- uh, admonition. So when he says confess your faults one to another, I, I interpret that scripture to mean that we ought to have a friend, we ought to have someone that we trust that we can spill our guts to and say, this is where I am. This is where I am, and this is what I need. And I want to tell you, that's hard to do today. Uh, I was uh, uh, reading about a young man, Kurt Stansel. Uh, he had a, a real problem with uh, sexuality and all that. He found an accountability partner, and, and, of course, he didn't tell him everything. He just kind of held out a little bit, you know, tell him enough to, to know. Uh, but when it finally came time to where he trusted him, he said, man, it's like a load has been lifted off of me when I could share it with someone else. And then they pray for me. Submitting yourselves, Ephesians 5.21 says, one to another in the fear of God. Now I want to just close uh, just quickly here and hit verse 31 and 32 because we did not do that this morning. And I did that on purpose. Uh, so I just want to just finish out with those two verses that get us caught up on this adultery thing. It hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Say, preacher, those are some wild scriptures. He said, uh, put away your wife, saving for the cause of fornication. Now, uh, what, what does that mean? Fornication, in this context here, in verse 32, is the Greek word porneia. And uh, uh, now you got to remember that the book of Matthew was written to a Jewish audience. So the, the book is a picture of Christ as the king, and that's very important here. Now, some have claimed, and, and I, I'm, I'm just laughing about this. You may not agree with this, and you have. Sometimes I don't agree with myself. But as I have studied this, a lot of people claim that fornication means adultery. And the more I study that, it means a person can get divorced on these grounds, but that wasn't the position of the early church. Uh, And uh, uh, the word porneia does not refer to adultery. If it was been adultery, it would have been the Greek word moikia, which would have been used in the Jewish culture. The word fornication is not a reference to adultery here. Leviticus 20, verse 10, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now, you know why I don't think it's adultery here? Because under the Jewish law, when you caught somebody in adultery, uh, you didn't write them a, a writ of divorce. You stoned them to death. Hmm, that's pretty tough, amen? So I think what he's talking about here, there, there are three, three ways that you could look at this as uh, uh, fornication. 
The first word is dealing to an unfaithfulness during the Jewish betrothal period. Uh, you remember in Jewish society, they would exchange gifts. They'd be betrothed, and then the contract to be married was binding. Usually it was somewhere around a year was spent preparing for the actual wedding there. And uh, the marriage was consummated on the first night of the wedding feast. But during this one-year engagement or betrothal period, if there was unfaithfulness or sexual uncleanness was discovered, it broke, and you could write a, a bill of divorcement. But they weren't married. It wasn't adultery. It was fornication because they were still in the betrothal period. Does that make sense? Okay, don't, don't let me get you too confused. <laughs> uh, the word porneia also in the Jewish society referred to uh, incestuous marriages. Uh, the phrase to uncover the nakedness, it's a Hebrew that means to have sexual relations. In 1 Corinthians 5.1, he said it's reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. See, this is incestuous marriages and they're being determinated. And then the third word for porneia in the Jewish culture referred to homosexual marriages. You, some of you think, oh, we just ran into this LBGT and now they've added G on. I'm not sure what the last one's for, but or Q on. I think Q is what it is. But anyway, uh, you, we think we just come up with it. Oh, no, you go back to Leviticus 18.22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. Hey, fornication can refer to homosexuality also. So the sodomite marriages would not be able to fulfill God's design as seen in Adam and Eve because in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't Adam and Steve, it was Adam and Eve. God said, this is the way I've created, male and female. It's not really complicated. It's really pretty easy. Uh, when you get and you start talking about a gay church, that's an oxymoron. That's an oxymoron. It's contradiction in terms. Now, I realize we're not taping this, are we? Are we really? Well, don't put this on the video. I mean, you go to jail for things like this. Uh, but I just want to tell you, uh, this is not something that's new. It's been around since the beginning of time. Now, here's the last thing. If you've suffered a divorce and you've remarried another person that's of the opposite sex, now, if you're here today and you've remarried somebody of the same sex, you need to get divorced. You ain't got no business living together. But if you've suffered a divorce and you remarried another person that's of the opposite sex, that's not an incestuous relationship, don't terminate your marriage. Serve the Lord. Uh, you're going to have some limitations. Mm. But I want to tell you, God can still use you. In fact, God may can use you more than he uses a lot of other people. Because God has a way of taking what we've been through and using it to help other people that we never even dreamed we could ever do. So, use your life to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I am so thankful to be out of Matthew 5 through 32. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me encourage you. Don't forget the... Uh, uh, uh,
pumpkin patch out here as time goes on. Hope you'll, you'll make yourself aware of that and, and have a good time there. Bring some folk over there. Tuesday morning, uh, this Tuesday, I thought that these guys, I thought one trip to Vider would do them in. And, uh, man, they hit me Sunday saying, look, we got to go back. There's more work to be done. So Tuesday morning, if you're free, we're going to meet here at 5 o'clock.